Welcome to Think Peace, the podcast for founders, creators, coaches, and curious minds building the future of online business. I'm your host, Sarah M. Chapel. It's time to think deeper. Hello and welcome back. Sarah M. Chapel here, host of the Think Peace podcast, and I hope you all are doing well. I want to thank you so much for everyone who shared the last episode all about boundaries in business. That one was one of our most popular ones uh, since the show has come back as the Think Peace podcast. So thank you so much. If you haven't listened to that, uh, go listen to it after this one. It's a good one. Uh, We talk a little bit about how to formulate boundaries, some examples of those boundaries, especially around communication and creating the flexibility for you to be able to take time off in your business which is something I've been talking about a lot recently since I did my second semi-sabbatical in August. I am now back at work, kind of officially, finally, after a long time of pulling back a little bit, taking some time off, going on vacation, and generally trying to get myself back to the place of being ready to dive in and create again and teach again and coach again after a very intensive uh, four-plus-year period of doing that basically all the fucking time (laughs) and trying to give myself a little bit of space to figure out what's really next. And I'm looking at this as I'm recording this, it's just the beginning of Q4, uh, quarter four here in the US uh, for our kind of quarterly planning. And uh, I mean, it really comes from taxes and earnings announcements, but um, we often think of it in terms of planning and what we're gonna be focusing on for this three month period in our business. And I really like quarterly planning because I feel like three months, about 90 days, is about as much as you can kind of do at once. If you're running a business, especially online, especially something personality-driven, content-driven, education or knowledge-driven, 90 days is enough time to get feedback. This is in contrast to a lot of physical products, for example, where the run, um, the like advance time is so much longer. Uh, If you're making something in your house, you might be able to get kind of a faster turnaround. But if you're doing manufacturing, for example, you usually have months, if not years of lead time before you can really get feedback, right? You'll make a prototype, you'll get some initial testing feedback, but it can take a very long time before you're actually able to ship something and find out if people want it, right? To actually sell the thing. But those of us that work more with our minds in the sense of selling what we know or teaching or creating from that space, We can have a much faster feedback loop and 90 days is really a great period of time to test something because it gives you enough time to make something, at least a kind of bare bones um, initial version of it, sell it and do it, or at least do a chunk of it, depending on what the thing is and, and get that feedback both from the market in terms of people buying it. And then also what happened for your customers? What results did they get? So I am here kind of looking towards the end of the year And I actually am thinking a lot about, I know I just said 90 day planning is perfect, about next year. (laughs) I find that I often let the following year sneak up on me. It's like I pick up my head in January or February and I'm like, oh fuck, I have no idea what I'm trying to do here. I am not a big planner at this life stage. I know a lot of you love to have like the five or 10 year. I know a lot of you are like, if I can plan to next week, I'm winning. There's a big variety of, of ways that we approach time. And I think that for some of us, that changes too. We have different periods of time where we're really doing the long-term planning. I was talking to somebody yesterday who is talking about the eight month and then 10 year plan for this company he's scaling. And, you know, there, sometimes you're in that mode, right? Where you're like, things are running and you're really trying to grow something and you are like, okay, I need these inputs and I need these people in these positions. And you're doing this kind of bigger level 
of planning because things are in motion. And sometimes you're in a position like I am right now, right? Where things are not really in motion. I'm uh, I'm not stagnant, but I'm not super generative right now. I'm doing a lot of content. I am doing a lot of podcasting, obviously. I'm doing a lot of writing and I'm not doing a ton of product creation, just a little bit. So I can feel that next year is gonna sneak up on me. I can feel that if I don't take the time now, I'm not gonna actually be prepared for the moves that I wanna make next year. So Q4 is traditionally for a lot of businesses the make or break it um, quarter. It's the end of the year. It's also when, at least in kind of the the Western hemisphere, Western uh, world, we have a lot of our holidays where people buy a lot of things. It is a big commercial season, particularly moving towards Christmas and um, a time of year when people are celebrating the end of the year and there is a lot of gift giving. There's also a lot of family gathering, uh, friend gathering with things like Thanksgiving, with things like, yeah, end of the year, right? So there's just a lot of money spent. So that's why, I'm sure you all know this, but why Black Friday is called Black Friday is not because you get up in the dark and go and buy stuff, which is what you used to have to do. It's because it's the the day of the year that a lot of retail stores will be in the black that is profitable for the first time all year. So it's a big month. It's a big couple of months. And we tend to get super hyper-focused on this time, trying to get the most out of it, right? To, to wring as much money and revenue as we can. And for me, for many years, Q4 was my biggest, uh, especially when I was doing professional tarot reading. I would do these big end of year tarot readings that would take me like a full day to do one for somebody. It was my most expensive offer at the time. And it would be the thing that really pushed me over and made the, made the biggest chunk of revenue that I was making in the year when I was doing that. Um, so I'm familiar with this. And when I had physical products, it was the same because stores would buy my products in advance of the retail season, right, for the holidays. So a lot of the, the tinctures and, and herbal things I made, I would have big wholesale orders at this time of year because people were buying up for the holidays. And also I used to work in the wine industry. We call this OND, October, November, December, and it is just the busiest time of the year for beverage in particular, because everyone is getting ready for the holidays, expecting people will be buying champagne, all right? Online, we do have that kind of seasonality, and I've talked a little bit about feeling like there is a return to seasonality that maybe wasn't as present for a few years. And I mean that even prior to the pandemic, then the kind of pandemic 2020, 2021, 2022, this kind of wipe out of time. And then now entering into this year where a lot of people are feeling comfortable going out more, more um, travel happening, that time and the sense of this, this temporality in sales has been a lot more present this year. It's something I was talking about with clients in Think Tank and in my membership accelerator program. You know, this year, August was just particularly slow. And August is always a little slow, um, but it was very slow. We're really seeing summer as like the as summer, which for the first probably five years of working online, I didn't really have an issue with that. August wasn't great, but it wasn't dead. So we're here in this busy month is what I'm getting at, right? There is a sense of temporality. There is a sense of now is the moment. And I do think that kind of sitting here at the beginning of Q4 is a great time, of course, to figure out what you want to do by the end of the year. But I really want us to think a little bit more about what we want to do in Q1, Q2 next year. So there's two streams of planning happening. We're doing the immediate planning. What needs to happen for the end of the year to do whatever you need to do, right? What sales you want to get, what clients you want to sign, what products you want to develop, what what you want to publish, what you want to be working on. 
But then there's the bigger scope of what you want to set up for next year. Often these are the things that take more time and that's why we have to think about them now. And again, I'm mentioning this because I can just feel it sneaking up on me. This has been a bit of a fallow year for me, a, a big year of transition and change, finally just admitting that I wanted to be doing something different and giving myself the gift of making that space. But with that space, it's so easy to stay in that space. Oh, this kind of, there's anxiety, sure, but it really is a nice little warm cocoon of the, I'll do something soon. <laughs> the, the In the future, there will be something, but the future arrives very quickly. So I'm going to suggest that we do two things today. The first is let's talk a little bit about Q4. Let's talk about those priorities, especially in the kind of focus of what I'm seeing in the online space and what I'm seeing with my clients, what I'm feeling for myself, right? A lot of what I kind of share in the kind of forecasting way is yes, driven by the trends I'm seeing and the news and, and what I'm seeing with my clients because I get that behind the scenes with all the people I'm working with, what's working, what's not. But it is also largely intuitive. Having done this for many, many years now, I have my own body as a kind of a weather vane uh, for what's happening in the, in the zeitgeist. And then I also want to talk about next year. I want to talk about this longer term horizon that we can look at and hopefully help to prompt you to think a little bit about what needs to be planted and nurtured now so that in next year you are ready for the next steps. So let's talk about Q4. The biggest thing that has just been slamming me over the head this year is how critical it is, and this is always true, but how critical it is to make sure that your sales process is tight, is streamlined, is effective. Now, I'm a sales conversion person. I am really conversion focused. Part of that's because I just don't love marketing. I don't love the, the song and dance. I love connecting with people, but I've always been very ambivalent about social media and about what's required of me as a professional person, as a very, 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 very micro influencer. Um, I do like to joke like I've been recognized on the street from social media with somebody with my audience size is just like the weirdest fucking thing, right? Um, this micro influencer into sales thing, I've I've always been ambivalent about. It's it's a challenge for me. So I focus a lot on sales, one, because I'm more comfortable with it, but two, because I think it's what actually matters, right? I won't rehash the kind of uh, business idiom that, um, you know, marketing doesn't really matter if people don't buy, right? It doesn't matter how big your audience is if nobody's buying anything from you. It doesn't matter how many people see your billboard if they don't want the thing, right? Marketing can be a place where, marketing is where dreams go to die, honestly, right? It's like, it's, it's something people get so hyper-focused on. I had a meeting with somebody the other day who was talking about all this like marketing kind of hacky, it was not a good meeting, um, trying to like figure out how to, and maximize X, Y, Z. And I asked, you know, how is that going to be tracked for sales? How are they tracking that? And they weren't. It was just all this busy work to get more audience, more eyeballs with no way to get that into people buying things, right? I was like, well, buying things is how that person makes money. They aren't an influencer in the sense of getting a spon sponsored content is not how they're making money. They make money when people buy their products. So marketing is where dreams go to die. No offense to marketers anywhere. I am a marketer. I just, it really is like just the, it is the pit of despair, right? We can get so stuck in there um, without a real focus on the outcome, which is probably selling something. This is true, by the way, even for things where, you know, there isn't such a direct link. If you are, for example, 
you know, want to be writing more or want to have the opportunity to like get a, a music deal or any of this kind of stuff. Audience size matters, but it's only insofar as it helps you to achieve that other thing, right? Audience growth is not a, uh, is not a metric on its own for us to focus on. So I always come back to sales, but right now I'm like really on team sales, like more than I have in so long because of the fragmentation of audience development online. So we are very much still in this place where it is unclear where people are going to go. X slash Twitter, I really can't call it X, it's too fucking stupid, um, is, is at a really weird place. A lot of people who I really like to engage with and read and learn from are still using it, but I don't see a lot of people using it effectively for business at this point, right? We're kind of, it's not really converting. I'm not sure Twitter ever really converted, but it's definitely not really converting now. And it is still in this death throes, right? We're in the long tail of social media in general, in my opinion, I've written about this before, but Twitter, the, the kind of the death uh, throes of Twitter, right? Ha has spread people out even further. So we've got threads, we've got blue sky, we've kind of got Mastodon, we've got, um, and then of course the other kind of, I guess Facebook is still a thing. We have Instagram itself. We have Substack. We have all these new, um, the, the mushrooming of new places for us to go and try to connect with each other and try to sell each other things is really uh, big right now, right? We don't know where to find things. People are fragmented. As a result, their attention is even more fragmented to these different platforms, right? YouTube, Pinterest, whatever. That fragmentation means it's even harder to get in front of your people, right? It's very easy to spend all day putting the same shit on like four different Twitter clones if you want, right? You could easily be doing that and trying to maintain that audience in all these places and all these Twitter clones or Instagram clones or whatever it is that you're into. And that means that some of this marketing stuff is even less effective than it was, I would say, even a couple months ago, right? Before Threads was launched, um, before Blue Sky started opening up a little bit more, it's not hard to get a Blue Sky invite now. And which it's a very sweet platform, though. I don't really know that it's going to go anywhere. I, I'm not making that as a formal prediction. I'm just every time I'm there, I'm like, this is sweet, but there's like not enough happening. Um, maybe that'll change. But even a few months ago, really before Threads, and I did write a piece about Threads and how it really can't be disruptive. It's impossible for it to be. You can read that over at thinkpeace.fyi. That, but before that, we knew Twitter was dying. We knew that kind of the data-driven abusive uh, ad sale thing was going to be a challenge. We're seeing that even more now with some of these antitrust cases coming up that we already knew that was happening, but now the fragmentation of the attention makes it that much harder to get in front of people. It's worse than it was even this summer. And I do love this about this space, by the way, like not in a way where like, like I wish I had like a, here's what the future holds. And I still think that most of my predictions about the future of online marketing in the earlier podcast episode I did about that are correct. But I do love how quickly this space changes. Like I've been waiting for the shakeup. I've been waiting for it for years for this like moment of disintegration. So I'm actually pretty stoked. It's not great for business, but it's good from a from a human standpoint, I think, and for my own curiosity and pleasure. So the fragmentation has gotten worse. Heading into Q4, I don't think that's gonna get better, right? Like nothing's going to change. I guess Elon is threatening to charge for people to use Twitter for everyone. And if that's the case, I think that will be a big change. And I do think that platform will essentially cease to exist for our intents and purposes of, of selling stuff. The fragmentation has gotten worse. I've said that like 50 times now. I'm so sorry. I've had a lot of coffee and I'm tired. Longtime listeners will be familiar with this energy. If you're new, I guess welcome. Sorry. This is not a professional experience. So 
With that, though, what it means is that the attention we do grasp, the people we do get in front of, the leads we do acquire, we need to make sure that we are selling to them properly, right? When your top of funnel is fucked, right, which is one way we can look at this uh, to use marketing speak, when your ability to get in front of people who are a good fit for you is hindered when you don't have the reach you used to, right? I've been talking about this for well over a year now, that this is the primary issue for online businesses of all kinds right now, but especially these knowledge-driven businesses that most of you have. We need to make sure that every person we get in front of has the best possible chance of figuring out whether or not our product is for them. And that is the sales process. So when I look into Q4, the most important thing for any of us to do is to make sure that our sales process is on point for what we're selling this fall. It is harder than ever to get the right people in front of your audience. Or I should say harder than ever in the in the internet sense. It's not in, not in like the grand scheme of things sense. You know, you used to only have like the five people who lived in your town to sell to. That was a different time. But in the internet sense, in the in the, in the current internet sense, it's never been harder because of this fragmentation. So we need the sales to work. One of the things I really specialize in and I'm so keen on is high conversion rates in sales. I see a lot of clients come to me because they're trying strategies that work for people with, you know, audiences of millions, right? The, the spray and pray, which works really well when you have a lot of people. If you have a smaller audience, which honestly is most of you, even those of you who have larger audiences in the scheme of things, uh, you know, double digits, you know, 20, 40, 50,000 people even um, on a platform, that's still a smaller audience in the scheme of social media, though much bigger than mine. So good for you. We need those conversion rates to be high, right? Because that's the only way that we can really compete. So when I'm working with clients, one of our goals is to get them as high as possible. We want to make sure that the, the launch experience, if you're doing a launch, the sales page itself, if you're doing it, the funnel, the whatever you're doing, that it's converting as high as possible at each step. I'm not a growth hacker. I'm not really into like the micro nuances of this because I think kind of similar to like the marketing thing, it can become a place where essentially we get paid to like create these inefficiencies and just like tweak shit to death. I'm not super interested in that, but I am interested in the end result. So a lot of my clients often experience, not definitely not guarantee, but often experience much higher conversion rates for their sales processes than the industry norms. Of course, industry norms are like one to 3%. A lot of my clients see more in the 10, even 20% conversion rates, which is abnormal for sure, not a typical result, but is possible. And I have clients that are able to do that. Mine over the years have varied and vary depending on the product, on the um, product, usually somewhere between five and 20%. So my average tends to be about 11% as a conversion rate for my products. That's really high for a digital course, coaching, uh, membership, whatever. Again, if the average is one to 3%, 11% is pretty fucking good. So that is the thing that I'm putting forward as like my suggestion, right? I know you're going to sell something this fall. You probably have a coaching program. You may have a course. You're going to do a workshop. You wrote a, you wrote a book. You have a workbook, right? Is to spend the time that maybe normally you would spend on the spray and pray, right? On having this big marketing plan, making sure that you're getting it into all these platforms to make sure that your sales page, your sales experience, your sales emails, whatever you're doing that that is as tight and as correct and as, as good as it possibly can be, I think it's worth the time. Because if you get 10 people or 20 people looking at it, right, the, the if, if only you convert it 1%, you're fucked. You're never gonna get the numbers that you're looking for. 
that percentage conversion rate is not something you can control, but I think you have a better chance of controlling it now than you do controlling your ability to get in front of your audience in the online space. Um, full transparency here. I am a hundred percent teaching a workshop on this soon. <laughs> um, you don't have to come. You can take my advice and not come, but I am going to be teaching a, a sprint actually on sales page design. So those of you for whom this is like one of the hardest things, you're definitely going to want to come to that. Those of you who've worked with me before know that sales pages are like my favorite in the world. And you're also going to get a lot out of this because we can work on your sales page again, right? You can take everything you've learned and take it to the next level. But whatever that piece is, that's the big focus. So if you're looking into Q4, right, we need to know what you're going to sell, right? What is your focus? Also, side note, if you're not going to sell anything in Q4, great, enjoy your freedom. Um, but if you're one of the people like most of us who need to make some fucking money, um, you're going to sell something. Make sure you give the sales process the time it needs. I've been thinking about this a lot too. I have worked with, I was doing the math at one point. I've done, I think now because of my most recent clients, close to 80 product launches that are either for me personally, or that I've consulted on or worked with in a more intimate setting, like in a very small group coaching program, 80. So I've seen a lot of patterns. I don't know if that's a statistically significant number, but it's a lot of fucking launches. I've seen a lot of patterns in terms of how people approach things. Often people spend a lot of time on the product itself, which is probably good. I think a lot of people spend too much time for a first round on a product. That's a different conversation. But they spend a lot of time on the product. They spend a lot of time on the marketing. They spend a lot of time on social media. And then it's like the day that they're launching, they're finishing the sales page, finishing the sales emails, maybe not even doing sales emails, maybe not even posting about the sales thing on social media, or definitely not planning ahead to get on podcasts or have other people share it. It's always last minute and the sales is the last thing on the list. I see this time and again, everything else just expands to fill up all the space, all the marketing, all the little posting, all the making reels, and then the actual sales page is done in like an hour. This is backwards. <laughs> of course, you need to know what the product is to create the sales system. I often find that actually creating the sales system, particularly writing a sales page, helps me to clarify the product immensely because it's my first time trying to explain it to somebody. You can often hear this because I'll say I'm going to do something on the podcast, or if I did an Instagram story, I'll be like, hey, I'm doing this thing. And it sounds super vague and nobody would ever buy it. And nobody ever sends me a DM and like, can't wait. That sounds great. You're like, sales page sprint. Awesome. No one ever does that, right? I never, like, I, I'm not selling it. I'm just saying it. But by the time it's time to sell, because of the sales page, because of the clarity that I get through that process, I can sell the product really well. So having the sales process as like last on your list is, is just a huge fucking mistake. Not only is it stressful and it leads to people being exhausted by, by the time it's time to actually sell the thing. I, that is like the number one trend I see with folks is that it's like, again, like literally like they're like, I'm going to sell this tomorrow. And they're trying to do weeks worth of work in like one hour. And then they don't follow through because they're exhausted. Um, huge mistake. We need to put the sales process first. So this is me telling you what I think you should do for Q4, which is to put your sales process first, whether you're gonna work with me on it, whether you're gonna do something else, doesn't really matter, but please consider prioritizing that. Give yourself enough time. So for example, for me to write a sales page that converts well um, for my own product, which is much easier in the sense of the time, because it's just in my head, I don't have to talk to somebody else. I can probably write a sales page and design a sales page in two days. But I mean two full days. Sales pages for me, especially with the design portion or something I get into hyper-focus on, two full days. 
that's, I do mean like 16 hours of work, of active thinking and active working. For most people who are not me, right, that's not going to be two days of work. That's going to be a lot. That's going to be several days, probably a couple weeks worth of work. Now, also, even if I do it in two days, I still need to come back to it. I still tweak it. I still refine it. I need the space from it. Like anything that you write or create, I need to come back and edit it. I need to be like, actually, that didn't make any sense. Actually, that sounds really dumb. Actually, that is some weird jargony language that I came up with that doesn't mean anything to my clients. So I need some time. I usually like to have probably four or five days at a minimum for my own sales pages, let alone somebody else's. I was working on a sales page project recently and to get it to the right place took about a week, um, which was fine, but it, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time and I'm not the best, I'm not the best sales page creator. There are some people out there. I see those pages and I'm like, fuck y'all are brilliant, but I'm really quite good. I, I am good. And it is a skill I have. I'm telling you how long it takes me. It's probably going to take you longer. And if you're working with a copywriter, you're working with someone else to do it. You need the same amount of time for feedback. You need the same amount of time for getting that to getting it to the right place. So now is the time to start to plan what are those sales things you're going to do and how can you make sure that you do not let them fall behind in Q4, knowing what we do about the fragmentation of attention, about how much harder it is to get in front of people, um, about the overall just kind of internet exhaustion, uh, though I do feel like that's shifting just a smidge. I'm feeling like there's just a little bit of a I'm not saying people are like super stoked to be on Zoom, but I think the like the super burnout seems to be shifting a bit. I'm kind of seeing that shit change. And how can you make sure that that's a priority? Because I don't want you to come up with a really great product and then spend a bunch of time making reels and then be too tired to actually sell it when the time comes. So that's short term, right? The long term, though, looking into next year, this is a little bit more imagination. This is a little bit more expansive and really is what do you want to be able to do in Q1 and Q2 next year? What do you want to be able to work on? Who do you want to be working with? What kind of work do you want to be doing? We often, again, leave this visioning for the end of the year, right? This is like this like new year, new you, or kind of a year in review thing is really popular. I think now is a great time to get ahead. First of all, it's at least up where I live, it's starting to get dark and kind of dreary. It's a good time for dreaming. It's a good time for thinking, a little bit less active. It's not, you know, it's not winter yet, it's October. But it is starting to be just a little more enclosed. It's getting darker earlier. Uh, it, it's, it's starting to stoke the ancestral imagination of what we do when we don't have lights. And if you give yourself the space to start to envision now, you can pick the key things that you can take action on now. A good one, for example, is actually hiring. If you need to hire someone, if you know that you're going to have a project in the new year where you need to find the right person for it, I actually think that Q4 is a good time to hire. Traditionally, a lot of bigger companies don't do a lot of hiring as we get closer to the end of the year. Their budgets are maxed out. You know, no one wants to have anything lingering over the holidays. We tend to see kind of a dip in in employment, unless it's seasonal employment, of course, but for kind of some of these more knowledge worky jobs. Often people kind of have to wait till the new year until they can get work if that's in that field. That means that actually now is a pretty good time to find people, right? People who are looking for work are going to have fewer options most likely. Some of the contractors you want to work with, some of the employees you might be seeking, if they're looking for work now or in the next couple months, like kind of getting into November, December, chances are there's going to be less competition for you. So it's a good time both in terms of kind of the overall employment cycle, but also in the sense of bringing on someone now or in Q4 
is going to mean that they can actually be ready to do something in Q1 or Q2, right? Unless you're hiring like a, like a real expert in something to do something specific for you. And I have to laugh. I had a meeting, I had this terrible meeting. I'm trying really hard not to talk about it and to be respectful. Um, but someone said that they thought it would take them 90 days to get me up to speed on their business before I could do anything useful. It took all my strength not to laugh. I was like, if you're hiring somebody with my level of expertise for the thing that we're talking about, and it takes 90 days to get them up to speed, like you've got a fucking problem. But for a lot of things that we're hiring for, especially if you're hiring an assistant or you're going to bring someone in to like coach in one of your programs to do customer support. Yes. Right. Where there's a lot of things like that they need to get into the nitty gritty of your business. If you're hiring a consultant to work on like brand messaging. This should not take them 90 days to get up to to speed and just if it takes 90 days they're probably bad at their job or you're bad at teaching them what you need being mindful though that for a lot of hiring right it is going to take about 90 days until you know if they're the right fit if they can do the job until they're trained enough for you to make that assessment and that means we need to get ahead of it that's like the biggest thing that i see people wait too long on when they have big goals. Like, oh, we're going to do a big launch in February. And then January comes around. They're like, oh, if we actually get these number of clients, we're fucked. Oh, I don't have the team in place. I can't support people. I can't, can't answer all the emails. We're going to need coaches or community support inside the program. Hire them now, right? Plan now. I know that can be a little scary. Um, hiring in particular is where I've made my most expensive quote unquote mistakes. I wrote a little bit about this actually over in the Think Peace newsletter last week, talking about how business lessons are never really a mistake and that especially financially, we need to stop thinking about it as a loss. This is a really common thing. Anytime that people make an investment, whether it's in a course or a program or whether it's hiring or whether it's in something that they bought you know, for the, the store or whatever, um, a piece of equipment, that if it doesn't work out exactly as we desired, you know, we get resentful and angry and embarrassed and feel a lot of shame about it. It's like, I, I don't know, we have to, especially as business owners, we're usually spending money that is necessary in order to learn something, right? Some of these things can't be learned without it, especially hiring mistakes, I think. So it can be scary to do that. You can read that piece if you need a little bit of help kind of on the reframe of like failed investments, because I think that's just a very, it's a very easy trap to fall into. It's very useless. But it can be scary to hire early. But if you know that you're, and you don't need to go overboard, right? I'm not saying overhire, but if you know you're gonna try to do something big in Q1, Q2, or you wanna push something specific, think about what you need now. Even if you don't hire them right now, can you get it lined up? Can you get the person booked for Q1? I'm thinking of some of my favorite contractors to work with, my favorite experts to work with. Um, often they need a little bit of lead time, right? They, I can't just text them or email them one day and be like, hey, I'm gonna do this thing, you ready? Like, no, <laughs> they're like, I'm actually booked out for two months. Um, so now is a really great time to get ahead on any of those things that might have that lead time. This is also true if you need to, for example, relaunch your website, if you're going to launch a podcast, if you're going to start a newsletter, if you're going to build a new product, all of that is planning that can start now. The seeds can be planted now, so they're actually available in Q1, Q2. And for myself, I'm thinking about this a lot, not just because I've been in this weird elastic time space where I'm working in a very different way and on a very different schedule. I'm working like very intimately and intensely on these consulting projects, which is great. Um, but the timeline is so weird because it's really, really intense and they're kind of short. And I keep forgetting to pick up my head and be like, 
and what are you going to do in a couple months? <laughs> like, what, what is the next thing? Because if you're working on consulting projects, they end. Um, it's a very different model that I'm working in right now versus my recurring revenue model that I ran for you know four years. This is the first time in four years where I don't have that. I have contracts um, and I don't have any recurring revenue. It's very weird. It's both freeing and terrifying. I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. Um, suffice it to say, I am definitely thinking about my next membership project, but I'm thinking about that for next year. I don't want to rush it now. Now is not the time. I tried to kind of, I did a test of something this summer. A lot of it worked. I still didn't like some of it. So I'm trying to give myself the space on it, but now is when I need to think about it. What do I need to put in place to make that work? Right? What do I need to put in place to test that again? What do I need to have getting ready now in order to do that? So think about the products. Think about the experiences you want to have too. This doesn't just have to be business. Talking about our boundaries on our previous episode, when are you taking time off next year? Can you go ahead and put that on the schedule? I, for one, am again putting, I am like planning ahead now. I am not working in August next year. I'm not doing it, right? I did my semi-sabbatical this past year. I think I'm going to try and do a full sabbatical in August. I mean, nothing, no client work and try to schedule that appropriately. If I can do it ahead of time, right, I can actually have clients booked and take a month off because we've planned ahead. And as I talked about in the previous podcast episode, it was communicated in advance, right? If we plan the schedule for a fall launch, for example, and we know in advance that I'm not working in August, I can give them a bunch of stuff to do in August, come back in September and we can wrap it up, right? You can plan these things. When are you going to take time off? What are your other priorities? I'm going to be honest with y'all. I am really knocking on the door of getting a master's degree. I know. You're Feel free to try to talk me out of it. I, I really think it'd probably be best for my <laughs> my finances um, and maybe me if I didn't do it. But I think I'm going to be applying to grad school and try to do a master's degree next fall in addition to working full time in my business, which sounds like a blast. Um, but that obviously has some planning ahead, right? Some of the applications are due in December. I was like, that seems unbelievably early to me. Uh, most January, some February. So I definitely need to plan now. I have to get letters of recommendation. It's like, from whom? <laughs> I was like, they're like, from your bosses. I was like, I don't have a boss. I'm just gonna write myself a letter of recommendation. Um, but I, I'm really seriously considering that. So those are the kinds of things that we need to think about. And I think often, and I'm mentioning some of this, you're probably like nodding your head. You're like, yeah, of course, duh. Um, but keep in mind that as I talked about on the internet, right? The time cycles are so fast. We often do work in these 90 day cycles or even shorter. If I had the inclination, I could get off this recording today, go and spin up that uh, sales page for my sales page offer and email you before this episode was even out to start selling it. I'm probably not going to get around to that, but you can make sure you know when that comes out. It's going to be a really fun, interactive, um, get shit done <laughs> kind of a program and short. Uh, I don't have the total timeline yet, but this is not a long thing. We're just going to get in, do it, get out and do it so that that sales page is ready for the end of the year for your, your last push in, in, uh, kind of end of November, beginning of December, um, by going to thinkpeace.fyi and just getting on the mailing list. That's the best way to find out about it. But those, we, so we work in these very quick cycles, which means that those longer visioning things don't always happen. And when we do them, I just find a lot of these visioning exercises and there's, there's value in it, but they tend to be these like really broad, like five year, 10 year, even one full year ahead. And I'm like, let's just think, let's just think a quarter ahead. <laughs> let's just think a quarter ahead. So I'll challenge you then for your quarter ahead. 
Uh, if my Q4 challenge for you is to make sure you do prioritize the sales part of selling something, like making sure that it's not last minute, that you are not banging up against a deadline, trying to get all of your sales stuff done because you need the time to, to let it breathe and come back to it and think about it, that then we are able to more carefully plan for the next quarter by just picking one or two things that you want to get ahead on. Just giving yourself the space to get a little concrete on what needs to happen in order to hit the ground running in the new year so that you're not sitting there on January 1st twiddling your thumbs being like, oh man, I didn't even think about it. Use this time now. There's a little bit of a moment right now. It's a little quiet at this moment. Um, I do see people selling things, of course, but that's about to get compressed really fast. End of October into November. November is going to be a busy sales month for a lot of you. And a lot of you, the first couple weeks of December are huge, right? I know a couple launches have happened um, just about now, but most things are happening in a couple weeks. Now is the time. Now is the time to kind of sneak in that mini bit of planning ahead. So that's where I'm thinking about planning and I hope this is helpful for you as we kind of head into the busy season of the end of the year. Even if you don't have a big business push this uh, fall, chances are you have family stuff. Chances are if you have kids, your kids have like 20 million things they're supposed to do. And you're like, yeah, it's like the end of the year for children always seems so wild to me. Um, very least, you know, costumes for Halloween or like holiday recitals. Like, I don't know. Obviously, I don't have kids, but I remember doing those things. And whatever your thing is. Now is the time to give yourself just a little bit of the gift of prioritization, because even if you are not a holiday person, I'm not really, even if you are not um, doing a lot of kind of end of year things, you're still in the vibe, right? You're still in the energy. If your clients are in the energy of it, they're going to be feeling that rush. Your customers are going to be feeling that push to the ends of the year. Take the time for yourself now. All right, y'all, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Think Peace podcast, and I will see you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Think Peace. You can read the newsletter, join the community, and learn how to work with me at thinkpeace.fyi. I'll see you next time.